Hello and welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm Coach Andrew Porretz from Ingenuity Coaching. I help people to discover and fulfill their passions and greatness. My mission, to inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams, and with my coaching, help you to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach Andrew. My guest tonight, well, actually, let me tell you, if you're listening live and you have a question, the phone number here is 646-929-2893. You'll be able to listen to the show on the phone, and if you press the number one, I'll know you have a question. We also have a live chat room right on the show page where you can feel free to join in. My guest tonight is Maya Rowanzak of Maya's Hope, a 501c3 organization that helps disadvantaged children living in extreme need. Maya's story is really about how one person transmuted grief into something that would make a big difference in the world. She gave her day job back in April 2013 so she could devote her full time to helping the orphaned children who won her heart. And you can learn more about Maya and Maya's Hope at mayashope.org. Maya, are you with me? I'm here. Great. For some reason, I'm getting a little bit of an echo. I don't know what that means. Uh-oh. But uh, hopefully that won't uh, continue for the whole show. So, okay. uh So first of all, you know, I'm gonna, I, do you mind if I tell people how you and I met? Um, sure. Go ahead. Okay, great. Well, you know, you know, this is, you're, 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 you might say you're an interesting birthday gift because uh, <laughs> I have, I have, I have a few meetup groups that I run, and one of them is a is for people who sing. It's actually called Singles Who Sing, and uh, I always, every year on my birthday, I like to have karaoke. That's one of my favorite <laughs> things to do in the world. And I get this, uh, you know, out of the blue email from, uh, I guess, an assistant of yours saying, "Yes, uh, hi, you don't know me, uh, but, you know, we have this group called Maya's Hope, and this is what we do, and we would love it if you would be interested in, in working with us uh, to put together a, a karaoke event we're having on July 22nd. Oh, you mean my birthday. i <laughs> You're kind of making my decision for me because I was trying to decide should I should I have a karaoke birthday party on Monday? Should I do it on the night before? So I went ahead and said, yeah, let's do this, and uh, we created it together. I made it, uh, I made it, uh, I put it out to all my friends, and you gave me a really great uh, special discount, which made it possible for people I know to even say, yeah, I'll do that. And uh, we had a great, a wonderful uh, event. And meanwhile, I said, "Oh, this person seems really interesting. I need to know who she's, who she is, what she's about." And this sounds like a really worthwhile, wonderful organization. And I think you ought to be on my radio show. And so here you are. <laughs> yes, here I am. And all because it was my birthday. Because I probably would have said, "Eh, weren't well, <laughs> happened to fall at the absolutely perfect time for me to say, yeah, that's a good idea." It was fate, and I also have very aggressive volunteers because I tell them to to go out and find the right people. So luckily, um, Jeannie found you. So exactly. the rest is history. Absolutely. So now you have a, a you know a really interesting story. Uh, you know, uh, some people come into the, the worlds of you know creating a, a nonprofit uh, years and years and years. You know, it's been part of their life. It's been some passionate thing, 
and yours uh, seems to be the the wonderful fallout, if you want to say, from from of tragedy that befell you, and so that this was turned into something great. So I'd, li- I'd like to hear what happened with you when your your mom passed away. Um, well, I guess. Uh... Well, I've been living in New York City for quite some time, and, you know, it's very busy and chaotic, and my mom was really my backbone, even though she, um, or I guess you'd say my cheerleader, so even Mm -hmm. though she was in D.C., I was always in contact with her, so she was my, she was really, to me, my my family, like everything, Um, so Mm -hmm. when she passed away suddenly, it was like everything in my life just just shattered. I felt like I was an orphan. I mean, my father's still alive. But he's he's wonderful, but she was really such a strong, influential woman, and to have lost all of that, I really felt like I lost my heart, really. Mm. So when I realized I was completely alone in New York City, I um, started, I guess it was like this natural, um, I don't know, like this natural feeling connecting with children. And I had always wanted to do something involved, uh, involving children, but being in New York, I was really focused on this fast-paced life and always working, working, working. So I decided to take a trip to visit an orphanage, and um, I wanted to spend time with children that didn't have mothers. I wanted to be able to, you know, inspire, hug, um, you know, give advice, whatever I can, because that's what my mother did for me. And right. well, by the way, was, where was this uh, first or- orphanage that you went to? Um, it was in the Philippines. Okay. And it was also, it's ironic because it wasn't really the country I intended to visit. Uh, the idea that popped into my head is really Thailand. And uh, coincidentally, it was the year that they were closing down airports. It was so chaotic. Like, mm. tourists couldn't even leave. So I had made a drastic like, change and decided to go to the Philippines instead um, because a family friend um, recommended it. It was actually a priest who flew all the way from the Philippines, and he met up with me in New York City, and it, he wanted to pay his respects um, since he couldn't come to her funeral. So that's sort of like how our, my, my past you know, crossed, and that's how I ended up at an orphanage in the Philippines. Okay, very very interesting. Now, and then you you and then since then uh, other countries uh, seem to have come into the into play. Um yes, um right now we also help in uh Ukraine. Uh but our focus there is it's orphans, but it's really um social orphans and orphans with special needs. So I don't um, provide educational opportunities like I was do that I what my intentions are in the Philippines. So the focus is different because the needs were different, at least for mm-hmm. what I found. Okay, good. So um, now, what what what's your uh, nationality? <laughs> so my mom is Filipino and my dad is ethnically Ukrainian. So. Ah. Um, Okay. Yeah, but he's he's never stepped foot in Ukraine. My grandparents are Ukrainian, but my mm-hmm. dad was born in a work camp in Germany. So that's sort of like the interesting story. But my father, when he came to the States, uh, was at an orphanage growing up. He, like uh, my grandfather was the janitor, um, maintenance worker there, uh, disciplinarian at an orphanage. So it's a little bit ironic that 
my father spent most of his years with orphan boys, and mm-hmm. I end up going back um, to basically the land of my grandparents, um, helping orphan children in the countryside. Wow, that's amazing. So I really had no idea that those uh, connect that you had that familial connection. I, I, I've been meaning to want uh, to ask you, like, what brought you specifically to those. Countries and so now that that sort of clarified itself. Yeah, it's um, it's you know, some people say, well, it makes sense because you're Filipino and Ukrainian, and for me, I always thought I was just American. I didn't really identify as mm-hmm. like an ethnicity of any sort. Uh, it's just when I was working fully with the Philippines, I wanted to expand to another country where I felt there was great need. And I had I had done my research, and I felt that Ukraine, at least there was no visa. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. look what happened to Russia right now. If I had gone to Russia, most likely my hope would have been cut off in Russia right now. So mm. it was actually really a, a blessing that yeah. I had chosen Ukraine. In my my uh, family background is uh, Eastern European, actually. Oh, so, uh, from what part? Uh, uh, today, it's... It's a it's it's a town. It was a town called Eshashuk, which is outside of Vilnius. So that today oh, is part okay. of Lithuania. But mm-hmm. when my grandparents were there, depending on the day of the week, it was <laughs> it would seem it, <laughs> it was, was Poland or Russia or Russia <laughs> or Poland, and they always called it Russia Poland. Exactly. So well, where did you, where are you from, Grandma and Grandpa? Russia Poland. Okay. <laughs> No, it's true. There was no borders at one point, so you kind of had to pick and choose, and yeah. So you know, Ukraine is you know pretty close, and uh, so we have that uh, sort of I, I identify with that that area of the world. Yeah. No, I've never been there. <laughs> We're all somehow blood related, I think. I think that's we all come from same stock somehow. Yeah, you might be. You know, my you know my my uh, one. A hundredth cousin or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm starting to think that I'm related to everyone. The well, longer I'm know, in New York, at least. It sometimes does feel that way, or at least we're a few degrees from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> it's very important, and knowing your Kevin Bacon score, by the way, is very, very important in New York. So, uh, yes. I think minus three. Um, okay, so so you. At, at what point after you first went to an orphanage, uh, what was like? When was the point when you said, "I need to make this into something"? Um, uh, I was pretty much doing a lot of it on my own. It was I didn't like to ask people for help because I felt that like not many people care. It's like, okay, so she went to an orphanage, and all of a sudden she she wants us to donate money because mm-hmm. she wants to help these kids. I mean, it's a nice gesture, but I was always um, I was always uh, nervous to ask people because I just felt like if that's not their cause, they're not really going to care. Um, but it was one of my best friends who approached me one day because he saw I was always, like, freaking out about boxes. He saw I was paying for all the shipping because I... I basically funded the shipping um, for about two years all by myself. Mm, wow. Um, yeah, it was, it was a little bit insane. But I just justified it in my head. I said, you know, I'm not married. You know, I'm kids. Um, instead of buying a $300 pair of shoes, I'm going to go and spend it on shipping to the Philippines. 
So I did that, and then my friend Michael Meltzer uh, said, you know what, what you're doing is nonprofit work. It's, you know, you should be registering yourself. I said, listen, I can't do the paperwork. If you want to do it, I don't mind. I'm like, but I'm not, I'm not researching it. I'm, I'm not getting lawyers. I'm not getting accountants. That's going to be your, your like job. I'll just sign on, on where you tell me to sign. Um, so basically the long story short of that is that we became official in November of 2010 pretty much thanks to his diligence and uh he made a beautiful package to the IRS. So mm. um yeah, very fortunate to have him in my life. You 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 picked a good friend. You know what? Baruch Hashem, that's all I got to say. It's really him. <laughs> um I can't honestly when I when I look back, you know, over the past years that I've spent in New York, um I just think certain people came into my life and you know, it's like, you know, God's will that I'm doing this work. You know, sometimes I'm tired, I'm exhausted, and then there'll be, like, some angel that comes into my life and, and helps me to do something. And, um, I mean, Michael Meltzer is definitely uh, such – I mean, he is my family. Like, I'm, I may not have my mom, you know, but I do my dad. My dad is, you know, he doesn't live here in New York, but Michael Meltzer is my family. So I'm just very fortunate enough to have someone who really is my partner in all of this. Oh, absolutely. That's that's great. I definitely would like to hear more about uh, young Michael as well. I can tell you everything I know too much about. Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's always organizing parties. Um, he's organizing our next uh, our next party, which is next week, and um, he's he's amazing. I he just manages to. I feel like everything he touches turns to gold. He's just mm-hmm. wonderful. So we have um, the glitter hour next next Wednesday at Chelsea Manor, and uh, it's pretty much him and Fred Todd Wolf. They're organizing it, and Sonia Morgan is coming. It's going to be amazing. So just um, it's one of the events that he's organizing, and then we have a huge one in the fall. And just to you know to let people know, uh, the majority of people who will listen to this show will not be listening to it right now. They'll be listening to it. It could be next week. It could be next year. So okay. if so, if you're not listening to this uh, at the very end of July of 2013, the party may not be next week. It may, it may have happened uh, two years ago. Um, <laughs> so there's one thing we have to be careful with topical references because that. Oh really? I want to go. Oh, that was two years yeah. ago. Drag. Yeah. Yeah. Oops. But if it's now, hey, and you're in New York or in in vicinity, hey, uh, yeah. you can go to MayasHope.org and get all the details. Isn't that correct? Yes. Uh, and and yes, and that means that those of you uh, outside of the New York area or outside of the United States, those of you listening in Saudi Arabia, and you know who you are, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry, but the, you probably can't go to this party. But you're welcome to support this uh, wonderful organization. Yes. Absolutely. We do have one sponsor in Bahrain. That's kind of cool. So we do have one Middle Eastern sponsor. There you go. There you go. I think I actually have a couple of uh, listeners here also. Oh, really? I get the oddest, you know, every so often I get a, like, (laughs) really? Uh, Okay. um, Things never cease to amaze me when, when when we're talking about the Internet. It's true. There's too many people out there in different time zones. 
I've uh, you know I've had the experience of uh, first of all I've had people on my show from other countries as well, which is really interesting and challenging. I, I think I did one with Australia. I did a couple with Australia. Somebody in the middle of the night for her, and the, she had to, had to get up. But I once had when I uh, was first started coaching, and I had an executive coaching client in in India, which was so strange because it was ten and a half. I'm not even making this up. Ten and a half hour time difference. I okay. didn't know there was such a thing, but there is. There's a ten and a half hour Chennai, <laughs> India. Ten and a half okay. hours. And we had to, I mean, the windows that worked were really not, they were very small. Oh. You know, we were completely opposite ends of the of the day, and if we forgot about the half an hour, it was like, oh, I forgot. You know. Oh, that is that is odd. Yeah, everything usually is on the hour then. Yeah. I just got a into little, little side door there. <laughs> so I, I would, um, so how many, first of all, how many of the event, how many events have you had so far, or roughly? Uh, let's see, we've done, I think, five, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, we did two last year, and then we did three so far this year, and then we have two coming up. And, uh, you know, what kind of uh, attention uh, have you gotten, or are you, or would you like to get for Maya's help? Um, it's, you know... At the end of the day, we're just like any other charity. We mm-hmm. want to get as much attention as possible. Sure. Um, you know, what we do is we really help children that don't, that we want to give them an opportunity at a productive adulthood um, and also for those children that have special needs that they are given a chance to live. Um, so whatever we can do to raise money to help these particular children that um, I come across during my travels, that's really what we want to do. Uh, I am pretty much the only person that travels. I look for the orphanages. Mm-hmm. I look for partners. Um, so it's pretty much the children that I feel are really um, strong candidates, and mm-hmm. I call them superstars and cutie pies. And... Um, these, I, I don't just pick any child. I pick children that really do need um, the care. Right. Uh, so whether it's, you know, education, um, because, you know, they need to have shoes, they need to have uniforms, they need to have books, I want to be able to provide that through through sponsorship, through Maya's Hope. Um, and then, of course, for the children that have special needs, they are state orphans, and we want to make sure that they get the best possible care and not, you know, be neglected, not uh, not even be able to get surgeries because it can't be paid for. So that's whatever we can do to get the most financial help in order to really improve the lives of each and every child, that's really um, what I'm hoping for, I guess, right. Maya's hope. So, I, 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 you know, before I get to, I, to some, some of the... the Results. I'd really like to hear about some of the challenges that have come up for you uh, in, in creating this, and it's in particular dealing with uh, places outside of our our country. I'm wondering what 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 have been some of the stumbling blocks you've had to you've had to get through. Um, I mean, there's there's multiple. I mean, I it's kind of like, well, how do I break it down? Um, 
Well, we are a volunteer-based um, charity. So working with volunteers is always a challenge because I do want to recruit the best. Um, mm-hmm. I am a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's really trying to invite people to participate and, and really give what they can to make the organization grow. But right. you have to deal with people that don't show up when they say they're supposed to. Um, you know, sometimes you might challenge them with a project and they just they don't meet deadlines or they don't do it. So, I, you know, m- me running an organization, if it doesn't get done, I have to make sure that it gets done. Right. So um, I consider myself a professional nagger. So mm-hmm. um, I, I love all the volunteers. It's just there's always going to be challenges. You're going to have, like, amazing volunteers that you can rely on, and then you're going to have, you know, people that just don't live up to what they say they will, would do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's more of, like, first stuff that I deal with in New York City. Um, I guess there's always cultural differences. How I work is um, yeah, I worked in finance for about five years, and you learn in finance that at the bottom line is just getting it done. It doesn't matter, like, if you have a deadline, you got to meet it all the time. And mm-hmm. sometimes working with, you know, with different time zones and different, just different mentalities, like things that I think are urgent may not be urgent to somebody else. So they may, you know, get back to me in like a week when I really needed the answer, you know, by today. So there's just, um, there's just certain things that there, I have high expectations and sometimes I just have to lower it and say, listen, um, we we got to change this up, but I have to try to sometimes sugarcoat things a little bit, and sometimes that can be really harsh too, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, all my partners, even in the Philippines and Ukraine, they are also volunteering their time. So because we're not paying them, I can't, you know, be a tyrant and demand, you know, so much. But we uh, are a charity, and we have a lot of responsibility showing proof. So it's really important. Sure. Um, you know, for me as, you know, the president, CEO, that I have to make sure that we get pictures and they're, they're um, sent to sponsors and, you know, it can't just be Facebook. I, I'm very old-fashioned, so I do like to print things and make sure mm-hmm. that sponsors get physical proof through mm-hmm. photographs. So, um, you know, I, and I also do glitter cards and all this other stuff. So it's, there's a lot of like administrative stuff on my end that sometimes my partners don't always realize how much work is involved. So I, I always, yeah. So that's, I guess, like the, the, some of the challenges I face. Um, you know, what about like, have you had to deal with uh, bureaucracies of other countries getting in the way? Um, you know, uh, to be honest, I would say not so much. I would say if there's any bureaucracy, it's usually with the orphanage itself. Mm. Um, if, for example, there was an orphanage I was helping in Manila, um, and I was trying to build a strong relationship uh, with, um, I guess, one of the administrators, and I just didn't get a good vibe. I, I didn't feel like a lot of things were were honest and um, I wasn't even allowed to take pictures like I I I would say I need to have pictures to bring back to the states to show to people so I could help these particular um, children and it was like well you can't post them you 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 can't and I'm like well is this a government thing or is this your orphanage laws like mm-hmm. like rules you 
So a lot of times it's really just the orphanage. Um, there are laws, though, where we're not allowed to be posting pictures, but I think that's more when it comes to adoption, and we're sure. not, um, you know, a charity that is adoption advocacy. We're really just sending aid to these children. Okay, got it. And uh, now, and what about uh, any? Have you had any challenges around supplies, for example? Supplies. Um, let me see. Well, and I ask this because I always hear these kind of horror stories of people who are dealing in nonprofit worlds where things like you know shipments have been you know blocked by some oh, somebody. Okay. Or, no, you had to pay a fee, me, or you you know you had to bribe somebody. Or, you know, I hear all these stories, and I'm wondering if you know that what? has happened for you. We we've been very blessed. Uh, <laughs> we have a very very again Baruch Hashem, right? Yes. Um, I have been so lucky to been working with a particular shipping company um, based in New Jersey, and they there's a service called Volic Bion, and mm-hmm. they um you, you know it takes about seven to eight weeks by ship. And not one box has been lost. So when I've gone to the Philippines, I've seen some of the boxes arrive, and it's really exciting, you know, saying that, you know, it's been driven there from the ship and it had to go through customs. Um, Ukraine is actually more of the tyrant when it comes to shipments. Uh, You can only ship, uh, like, up to a certain value, um, and you can only ship, I think, like, every six months to that one person. So there's, like, they change the laws so much in Ukraine that it just drives you nuts. So I try to not have my hope ship a lot to Ukraine, whereas my hope ships all the time to the Philippines. Like as long as mm. we receive donations like toys or clothing, um, <coughs> you know, I'll have a bunch of volunteers and we just pack it up and then we just ship it out and then, um, you know, we're good to go. So we can probably, we could literally ship thousands of boxes to the Philippines and it's not a problem, but it's really Ukraine because what happened was I'm, my assumption is that people were reselling items in order to make money on the black market because, oh, wow. uh, you know, so they had to restrict things. And if you are caught sending something and, you know, if they open up the box and they see that, like, you have, like, a the value is, like, a 1,000 euros or something like that, they can confiscate it and they can also fine you because you were trying to sneak something in. They're very, they're very strict about it in Ukraine. So uh, I would say we ship out uh, maybe once or twice a year. So, yeah, it's just, it's too much of a headache and then, you know, our, our partners in Ukraine also have to pick up the items. But the good thing is, is that uh, we are a, um, we work also with a nun, uh, Sister Bernarda Arkiton, mm-hmm. and she uh, it was ba- she is based here in New York City. She's been shipping to orphanages in Ukraine, but what she does is she ships it to um, a convent. And I don't know if that con like the the rules are bent a little bit because it's a religious institution. Mm. But I just know for us, we have very very strict laws. That we have to well, there's rules that we have to you know, right. abide by. Now, I you know we have a, a bunch of people who have called in. Uh, I just want to let you know if you if you're calling in, if you have a question, you need to press the number one on your phone. Otherwise, I won't know you have a question. That's like that's like I get a little hand that comes up on my on my uh, switchboard. So if you just want to listen, that's fine. But if you do want to speak to Maya, if you have a question you'd like to participate, just press 1 on your phone, 
and then I'll get a little little hand, and I can then bring you on to the line. So there's about oh eight people right now who have called in. There's eight people. Whoa. <laughs> yes. Uh, and none of them seem to have a question, or else they they don't realize they have to press one. But nobody's doing it, so I'm just going to assume these are people who just want to listen for now, which is fine. Okay. And we have a couple of people in the chat room. Uh, and again, if you're in the chat room, feel free to post questions there. I'm checking the chat room. If you want to participate, if you want to, if you have a question or a comment that you'd like me to pass along, I'm more than happy to do that. Because that's how we roll here on Coach's Corner. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'd love to hear about some of like the what is like some of the best results that that have just made you so happy. Oh gosh. Um uh recently we have uh, a child Igor. He is a social orphan um in Zaporozhye, Ukraine. He was um based in Cal- an orphanage that we work with, uh Kalinovka. And I remember the day, it was a Saturday. I got an email saying, "We have Igor. He needs to have an emergency surgery. Um, the government's not going to pay for it, so we have to find the money to pay for it. So I basically asked, how much do you need? I'm going to raise the money. I will make the video, whatever I have to get done so that Maya's Hope can pay for his surgery. I'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. So I want to, so it was about 1500 and we actually made like 1800 I think, by the end of two weeks. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, the first surgery he had um, was fine, but then there were some complications. He was getting sick, um, so he had to have another surgery. Um, but I know that he's gone to the hospital a couple of times, but the second surgery my partner had confided in me and said, you know, I'm really, really worried about Igor. I really don't know if he's going to make it through. And um, I just remember when she sent me a video and she sent uh, the pictures of Igor smiling again. I mean, I was crying um, because, you know, I, I don't know what would have happened if they didn't get the, the funding for the surgery. Um but uh, because of that, we're also getting caregivers. He mm-hmm. just was transferred to another, um, I guess they would call it a child asylum um, in Zaporozhye, so he's not a Kalinovka. And so we are now hiring caregivers, and Igor is going to be one of the recipients of the care because he needs to have proper, um, you know, he needs to get proper nutrition now. Um, he needs to get massages. He needs to get walked a lot. So, you know, it, again, it's like one child at a time. And uh, I have to admit, I had met Igor back last year um, in November um, during my visit. I just remember seeing him one night hitting himself profusely. He has hydrocephalus. And I think mm-hmm. part of the reason why he hits himself is to relieve the stress and the pressure in his brain. Mm. So I I have a very vivid image of, of like, gushing blood. And I, I just... You know, you like you want to cry because it's like, what can I do? Um, you know, he is born with this condition, but to see that he he does look much healthier. Um, I do videos on our YouTube channel, and um, you know, he's he looks like a new a new person actually, <laughs> and he looks like a little angel. And because of what we did for fundraising, people really are you know 
excited for Igor. And, you know, when we post a picture, everyone's like so excited because he's alive and, you know, he fights every single day to live, but he's so tough and resilient. I, I don't know how on earth this kid can go and undergo the knife like that and, you know, still be like walking and ready to conquer the world. So he's one of my, one of my heroes. Wow. Yeah. That, that That's pretty amazing. So, uh, so more, I want more stories. More stories. More, more. Um, okay. So what, during one of my first visits to the Philippines, I, Actually, I think that's probably when I realized I was very much drawn to children with special needs. There was one girl, Mary Jane, and she was deaf. And she was actually probably the most beautiful girl at the orphanage. So everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Mary Jane, she's so beautiful. But there was always the but. She's deaf. And so she was always by herself. She would always draw. She was so she was such a girly girl. She loved fashion. Um, but she pretty much had to live in her own world. And so I would spend a lot of time with her, and I was, like, I felt like we were sisters. Like, she was, like, my Mm. baby sister. And um, we would even have, like, little slumber parties. Like, I had a room at the orphanage. So a lot of times I would say, like, if you want to come, like, there's an extra bed, you can come. And she's so excited because she gets to be with, like, uh, my name at the orphanage is Atemaya, and Ata means sister. So it's like, oh, she gets to be in Atamaya's room and, you know, have slumber party. But um, I was really upset one day because we were in the market. There was about five of us, and we were just going to go to get tricycles to bring back to the orphanage. And I remember, like, she was going down a path, and, oh, my God, I was calling out her name, and I was, was thinking to myself, oh, my God, Mary Jane, Mary Jane, she cannot hear me. So that's when I was... I was so upset. I mean, my background is music, so I'm very much into, you know, listening and, and, you know, it's like part of, it's really who I am. To think that this child can't hear, she can't, if she's in a dangerous situation, she wouldn't even know what's coming at her. And then she can't even listen to, you know, she doesn't know her mother's voice. She's never listened to any songs. So I made sure that when I came back to the seats, I was going to get her a hearing aid. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I had raised money. This is before Amaya's Hope became a charity, but I had raised about, I don't know, $2,000 or $3,000 for a hearing aid. But the Starkey Hearing Foundation, which is based here in the States, they uh, they got a call from one of my volunteers because I said, listen, i got to get this girl uh, a hearing aid. So they provided her with a hearing aid. So the money that we um, or that I had actually raised uh, went towards um, anything like for her schooling, anything like uh, because she had to go to a special needs school. Mm-hmm. So the money that I raised, I just gave it to the orphanage to make sure that it goes um, all to Mary Jane. So nice. that's, um, yeah, so <clears throat> that's my girl. <laughs> now, I got a question from the chat room, yeah, and it's possible you've already answered this question with one of the scenarios you've just given me. Oh. The, the question comes from Rebecca in the chat room. Uh, what would you say would be the most, quote, home-hitting, unquote, situation you've encountered in helping these kids in the Ukraine and Philippines? Home-hitting. Um, <clears throat> uh, oh, um, I would say well, my first trip to the Philippines, I think, was home-hitting. Mm-hmm. I... 
you know, I felt like I didn't have a family and it was weird. I remember I was in some bedroom. <laughs> I was, it was Christmas and I was thinking, what am I doing in the Philippines? Like, I'm crazy. What, like, what am I doing with my life? And I just so happened to look over because I had a, a little girl, Kyla. She was staying with me. She was one of the orphan uh, kids, and she actually is the girl that inspired me to basically send care packages because I fell in love with this little girl. And I remember she was asleep in the bed, and mm. I looked at um, my notebook, and I used the notebook to, like, write down notes, and then I saw that she used my notebook to draw. Like, she was writing Kyla. She was drawing a picture of her, and then she drew a picture of me. And I just watched her in bed sleeping. And, I mean, I seriously started crying. I was thinking to myself, this little girl, she has no one ever kisses her goodnight. She has no, like, she has no mother to run to. Like, even for her, it was such, it was so comforting just to be with me on Christmas. And I kind of took that for granted. And um, I just remember, like, I watched her and I'm like crying and I'm just like kissing her on her head as she was like asleep and you know just kind of like rubbing her arm and thinking to myself like that's how my own mother would have been mm. um so I would say that's probably you know I I still I still get very emotional about Kyla because I know that she's not and she's not at the orphanage anymore because unfortunately her father came one day her father is a tricycle driver and he came in one day, and Kyla never came back. Wow. So um, I don't know whatever happened to her. You know, I would ask my partner, Lila. But, um, you know, there's there's so many kids. I mean, it's it's every everywhere it's bustling. So it's as much as you want to try to find out what happened to this kid. You, you know, they could easily go to Manila. And um, if they go to Manila, forget it. I mean, you can't find anyone there. Yeah. But, um, you know, for me, Kyla was definitely... It was that moment where I, I, I understood how my mom was with me. My mom was very, very affectionate, and she, she used to get very emotional, and I, I feel like that's just watching Kyla and the fact that I was crying over her drawings and stuff. It was just, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I still think about Kyla. It's, yeah. So that's definitely home-hitting. <laughs> yeah, I, I can hear it when you're speaking about it. Yeah. I have another question from the chat room from Daisy, oh. who says, Hola, <laughs> this is such a great organization that you've built. I was wondering, what are your plans for the future of Maya's Hope? What direction do you see your organization going? And by the way, those were my next two questions, so perfect. Oh, well, <laughs> well Daisy, is uh, she's pretty amazing herself. She's been one of our super-duper volunteers um, helping with Twitter and case files, mm -hmm. and she's just been amazing. She's also a fighter herself. So, um, hi, Daisy. Um, so, we're, you know, one of the things that Michael Meltzer told me when we were going to make Maya's Hope a charity was that he said, the world is your oyster. And I never, I never thought of Maya's Hope becoming anything big. I, I just, always felt like it was something that I I loved doing and mm -hmm. I and I saw that it was children that really 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 needed it it was not like you know oh let's just get them a toy it's like you know what these some of these kids may never have had a toy in their life but um I would say 
you know, as big as we can make it, really, you know, uh, we are inviting celebrities to some of our events. Um, we are having our gala at the prestigious Ukrainian Institute in New York City. I mean, if someone asked me five years ago, would you imagine having a gala, you know, at a mansion on mm. Fifth Avenue, I would say, oh, my God, no way. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I just... I say baby steps. You know, Michael always says Rome was not built in a day. So um, I just think that if you do things with passion, you do things with integrity, mm-hmm. um, you stay true to your mission, and you do things always for the right reasons, uh, you know, really you can make it as big as you want. And so, um, you know, I do get frustrated, and some people hear me say, like, I want to cry because there's so much work and, like, you know, there's too much work and so few of us mm-hmm. um, soldiers. But I, I still think that there's something to be said about, you know, fate, God, people coming into your life, you know, to to help. And, um, you know, even for this gala, there's a lot of people that are joining us, and, you know, it just spreads. It's like once people mm-hmm. realize the children and, and get to know the faces of the children that we help, it's, it really takes on a whole new form. It's not just, um, you know, like a thousand kids that you're trying to save from, you know, a famine. It's actually some child, Yura, who's at an orphanage at Kalinovka, who's super funny, or mm-hmm. Aleg, you know. So people do fall in love with these kids, and they realize, you know what, i got to help that child because right. who else is going to help that child? Mm-hmm. So, you know, are you willing to uh, to have a bigger vision? Of course. <laughs> um, you know, willing. I'm at the point, at least in my life, that I, I go with the flow. Mm-hmm. I uh, I feel like I don't know what could happen in, in five months. Sure. If you asked me last year if I was going to quit my job, I would have said no. But I just knew that it was the right time to focus uh, solely on building my hope because uh, having a day job and doing it, I, j- I just couldn't balance it anymore. And so, um, you know, I, I gave myself a, a time frame to do things. And I think that as long as we keep keep at it and we just, um, stay focused, I think that we can grow and grow. I mean, I would love for it to become, you know, a super huge organization, um, but I say that you also have to be realistic, too, you know. You don't want to make mm-hmm. two grand goals, and then you can't ever attain it. So that's why I learned to go with the flow, or else you're going right. to drive yourself Well, there's insane. a difference between, like, setting a specific goal that you that may seem unattainable and having, like, a bigger, like, this huge dream that you can build pieces of goals towards. You know, like you may mm-hmm. start out with really small, but maybe you, my goal is to help the entire planet. It could be that big of a vision, even if that's not necessarily something you're going to plan for. You know what I mean? Like yeah. at that end of the day, kind of like, well, if I could make this anything, what would it be? Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I it's so weird because – I, I've never, I never envision the future. I kind of let things mm-hmm. happen. Um, I'll give an example. Last year, we had uh, our our very first big fundraiser, and uh, I have to admit that Michael was the mastermind behind it. And um, we had an amazing team, amazing host doing it. 
but it was right after Hurricane Sandy. There was like a lot of like ne- negative factors that were affecting it. Um, right. And I also had to go to Ukraine for a week. That was right before Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving right after Thanksgiving. So I, I told my I was like, listen, I've done all that I can. I got to go to Ukraine. When I get back, we're just going to see what happens. I came back. I had strep throat and I was jet lagged. I was, you know, a hot mess. But um, I just remember walking in and it was like we sold out. We It was just like packed and it was wonderful. I mean, I felt like I was walking into a dream. So it was just kind of like I think things just kind of like happen and fall into place, um, even though I don't really envision everything. So I just wanted to be as big as it can be and mm-hmm. be able to sustain itself at the same time. Wonderful. Now I have a, a very interesting comment that came in from the chat room. Okay. From from Angel, who says, "I am a Maya's Hope sponsor of two beautiful girls in the Philippines, Cherina and Jamaica." First, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah. If I, I've said those names correctly. Yeah. First, <laughs> thank you for all you do for these kids and for allowing me to be a part of it. Aww. Second, yes, that's, uh, we can have the audience that, that's not here go, aw. <laughs> <laughs> the invisible audience. Uh, and second, have any kids aged out of sponsorship and have you been able to track their success, she asks. That is a very good question because this has happened to us recently. Um, we did have uh, one child who is now an adult man. His name is Rusty. Um, he was in our program actually before my adult became official. So I want to say he was sponsored since 2009. Um, so he, I have been tracking him. He was at an orphanage, not so. Uh, my partner is at Bethlehem House of Bread. And Rusty was at a different orphanage, so it was a little bit harder to get more frequent updates. Mm-hmm. But uh, he did go to school. I believe it was a two-year program. He was also volunteering and helping out back at the orphanage. Um, but he is now in Manila. Um, as far as I know, he is with a girl. I don't know if he's eloped. Um, mm-hmm. He is working at a mall. And so... You know, for many people, that would be considered a success story. Sure. Um, I, I again, have super, super high standards. Uh-huh. So I, you know, I was actually chasing after, you know, trying to find out information on, on Rusty. And, um, you know, it was kind of like two months after the fact that he, I found out he had gone to Manila and all this. But it is very difficult to get a job uh, in the Philippines. Um, one of the, the issues is that a lot of the big companies, like Schumart, what they do is they hire people on uh, for six months. And this mm. allows them to not hire, get, like they cannot get benefits or anything like that, and they earn minimum wage. You do also have to have an education. So, you know, for many uh, people that don't have a high degree, what he has would be considered a success. Um, but... You know, I just don't want to find out that one day he's living in the slums and, you know, his wife or girlfriend has a child. Um, You know, I really want to the best for these children. Um, But, you know, again, it's like as long as he is self-sufficient and he's earning a living right now, that's great. So Mm -hmm. um, it is a success. I think it's a, a very typical story that happens 
um, to, to people in the Philippines, and that's why they also have the, you know, a lot of them do leave the country in order to get work. A lot of them will go to the Middle East, and um, they call them, like, off, offshore workers, I believe that. Right. And okay. so even when you go to the airports, for example, you just see all these Filipinos, like, that are going to be shipped off for, like, six months or nine months or even a year, you know, to work abroad. So to answer the question, it would be considered a success story. So as soon as, um, you know, he, I found out he was working, we already reassigned um, the sponsor to another child. So that's pretty mm-hmm. much what had happened. Wow, very cool. So I want to hear about uh, the fall gala that's coming up at the Ukrainian Institute. Oh, my God. it's I'm actually beyond tickle pink. Um, it is going to be really special. We're working on um, some of the guests that are going to come. We're forming also the host committee. Uh, it's going to be at the Ukrainian Institute, as I mentioned. It's on 79th and 5th. Uh, I'm going to be working hard to really bring in a lot of the Ukrainian community so that they are able to enjoy the night with us and also learn more about what we're doing mm-hmm. um, to help the children um, in Ukraine. Uh, we are going to be focusing a little bit more on the Ukrainian orphanages, and I do have a trip planned uh, in September, probably late September. And so from that trip, I plan on taking pictures, and those pictures we will also have at the gala so that people can really see, you know, the children that we're helping. Um, so, um, you know, if we can have we, – we have, like, a DJ that's going to be coming – um, so it's going to be great. We're going to have uh, a VIP section and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the general. So basically it's going to be a star-studded night, and uh, we call the event Hope. Um, but I have this um, – I guess I'm just trying to start this glitter movement. So we're all – you know, I'm going to try to have everything as glittery as possible. And uh, part of the reason why I like glitter is because, A, it makes everything look better and prettier, and it gets all over you. But um, – <laughs> I like it. I like that it's it spreads, you know, it's yeah. it's part of like spreading awareness about the children that we help. Um, you know, when my sponsors get glitter cards, they laugh and say it's like all over me for days and I'm like right. I want you to have that sensation of remembering my hope, mm. remembering that child. You know, it's it and it also brings back your childhood because who deals with glitter? It's usually you know, like five-year-olds, and, right. you know, you go crazy with it. So it, it it evokes, like, a lot of emotions. And, I mean, it's so funny when you're at your job and somebody says, is that glitter on your face? And then you have <laughs> to explain, oh, there's this cherry, and they send glitter cards. And, you know, so that's sort of uh, our thing. So I do believe our, our hope events will be glittery. And, and what glitter is, is, again, the date for that? Um, October 22nd. October 22nd. Mm-hmm. And how does one uh, 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 support this event? So you can go to our website, which is mayashope.org. And uh, if you go to the events section, you'll already see a page. Um, we have a page up on sponsorships already and you because know, we're working mm-hmm. on that right now. And um, we're um, finalizing the invitation. So... I know it's months away, but working with Michael, we have to have everything done like three years in advance, you know. Yeah, that's and actually that's just a couple of months. It's not very, it's not all that yeah. long at all. Yeah, actually it is. <clears throat> so he you know, uh, he makes sure that I get things done. 
Are you going to be doing anything like a raffle? Um, you know, I have to talk to my partner about that. Uh, you know, it would be nice, but I know that there's a lot of paperwork that goes along with that. We will have uh, I mentioned because I'm I'm in a, I'm in a part of an organization that uh, has also has a gala coming up. Um, I'm not sure if it's September or October. Um, and one of the things that they've done that's been very successful, they have they'll have a a a, a raffle for various things that people have donated in terms of either goods or services. And some of them are really cool, like packages of related items. Some of them are very valuable. Some of them are, you know, not so valuable. But it's been a that's, that was a tremendously successful part for them. I've donated coaching services, for example. So it's something where you can really get a lot of people to donate things, and then sell tickets to it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. What we do is a silent auction. Um, yeah, that, which that's is pretty the, much the same thing. That's well, the thing what is, is that raffling is considered gambling. So you well, it wasn't done to... as a raffle. I mean, it was a silent, you know, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, a silent auction. Yeah, we're going to be having a silent auction. We had, they did both, we had one think. last year. Okay. Yeah, raffling is, is a little bit, it's just the term raffling mm-hmm. is, is where it gets like into the legal stuff and it's, Right. It's almost like having alcohol where you have to have like a certificate and all, you know, all that other stuff. So, oh, interesting, um, okay. Yeah. See, I knew, I learn something new every day. <laughs> Listen, I always learn something new. I'm like, oh, okay, I can't do that. Okay, mm-hmm. I learned my lesson. Oh, let's see. Uh, somebody said he's been placed on hold. Uh, well, he he has to raise his hand. Um, okay, so raising uh, hands. It said, okay, Todd Wolf, if you're listening, you must press number one on your phone, or I can't pick it up. Okay, so, so I, this just came in from the chat room. You have to press the number one on your touchtone phone, and that will make my my little thing light up, and then I can add you to the to the call. If you don't do that, I, I can't do it. I have no power. Uh oh. Like that's that's. Maybe he can hang up and call back something. I I don't know which. I have no idea who you know. The, I, I can see phone numbers, uh, but I have oh, okay. no idea who's who. But if you if, oh, okay. if, if you raise your hand by by pressing the number one, I'll be more than happy to. Um, <laughs> To do it, I have plenty of lines, so it, you know, there's nobody, there's nobody with a raised hand <laughs> so far. I guess you just got another person came on the line. Oh. But again, uh, you need to raise your hand, and we only have uh, a few minutes left in the show. So Uh-oh. hopefully, we have five minutes and twenty-six seconds. So if you're if speak now, or forever hold your finger. <laughs> That's what I say to or you. Or your thumb. Or your thumb, whatever, whatever. Um, you know, he's using. Oh, he said he continuously pressed one and it didn't work. Uh, uh, okay, Todd, uh, say your, type your number in the chat room. And so I, if I can reckon, if I recognize it, I'll see if I can bring you on the line. Okay, but, uh, and Rebecca is suggesting that just submit it by, by chat, but, you know, sometimes we do have these little technical issues. That's um, Okay. My whole okay. life is a technical issue. <laughs> well, that I hate when that happens. Okay. <laughs> let me see. I let me see if I can I recognize this number. Okay, I'm going to attempt to bring this guy on the line. Okay. Todd, can you hear me? Hello. Hello, Todd. No, let me try to. I brought him on. I think Jeez. that's a female female voice. Hello. 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 
You're on the air. Oh, okay. Making show with me. This is Ziggy in the chat room. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, I had a few questions for Maya. Oh, sure. Uh, first off, I want to tell you that I'm really excited about your organization. I've been following the problems with disabled children in Ukraine for a really long time. Wow. And the fact that someone's taking a step, you know, forward into making sure that people outside of America are getting help where there is mm-hmm. help is just extraordinary. And uh-huh. I want to know if you would be more willing to get children in America to put forth more effort into caring more about the disabled children in other countries, um, after-school programs maybe. I find that having children involved in different things, um, it, 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 it helps raise money. Also, it helps bring more attention to what you're doing, and it helps more people set forth in the future to do what you are doing, to continuously keep going with the same, you know, cares and worries. So how are you interested in that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that I was trying to do, I I have a crazy schedule, but (laughs) I wanted to really build up a strong group of volunteers and that we would start doing glitter parties. And then what we would do is we would bring glitter parties into schools, and then they could also start sending cards to the kids um, in Ukraine or in the Philippines, which, you know, I would always give them the choice. The thing is is that it's sort of like you want to introduce, like, the, the child that's on the other side. And then you could start showing the videos. You could start, um, you know, like my partner in Ukraine, she per- provides us with a lot of videos, and I think it would be great that we could eventually do Skype, that kind of stuff. And I think that once you do little by little and the children realize and see what it's like on the other side, then they can go ahead and start fundraising. So I wanted to do that. This is um, sort of one of my future projects, but it's more I have to really make sure that we build, like, uh, you know, volunteers in order to do this. Now, if you know, say there's like a a volunteer group in Ohio and they say that they want to um, raise money for the kids in Ukraine, that's fine. Um, But, I mean, I find that I I have to go places and speak and and really try to inspire the kids to understand what is happening to these children in the orphanages in Ukraine. So it's it's not always easy to get into schools. Uh, You know, you have to go through especially public schools, you have to get a lot of, like, approvals. So um, perhaps maybe we could try with private schools. And so, that um, way Maya, I'm going to have to uh, uh, cut you off now. We have, okay. uh, we're down to our last 60 seconds. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and I must apologize. I discovered uh, that they changed the, uh, the the switchboard, and they got rid of the hand, and there's these okay. little tiny, tiny, tiny question marks. I didn't even notice them. So uh, okay. I now will know for next time. Um, it's right. so obvious. So, uh, again, let me thank you very much, Maya, of Maya's Hope, for being on my show <laughs> tonight. You. It was great stuff. Uh, I had a great time with you. Everyone, go to the website, mayashope.org, and support this wonderful organization. I will be back in August with the next version of Coach's Corner. I want to thank everyone for listening, and we will be back soon. Thank you, everyone, and good night. Good night.